Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. The Jewish community has completed its observance and celebration of the holiday Passover. And last Shabbat, the parasha was the special parasha for the seventh day of Passover. And the Jewish world now returns to the order of the weekly Torah reading. This week's Torah portion is entitled Shmini, the eighth, and it refers to the eighth day of the seven days of priestly consecration. It begins in Leviticus chapter 9, verse 1, and continues almost to the end of chapter 11. Let me give you an overview of the parasha, the weekly portion, before we delve into some interesting aspects of it in depth. On the eighth day, following the seven days of the priestly inauguration, Aaron and his sons begin to officiate as Kohanim, priests. A fire issues forth from the eternal to assume the offerings on the altar, and the parasha tells us that the divine present come to dwell in the sanctuary. Aaron's two sons, his eldest two sons, Nadav and Avihu, offer what the Torah portion calls a strange fire before God, which he commanded them not, and they are struck down dead. Aaron is silent, the dom oto, in the face of this tragedy. Moses and Aaron subsequently disagree as to a point of law regarding the offering, but Moses concedes to Aaron that Aaron is in the right. This episode concludes with, as I'm sure you can recognize many questions, and the Torah portion continues on a different topic. Moses commands the laws of Kashrut, identifying the animal species permissible and forbidden for consumption. Land animals may be eaten only if they have split hooves and also chew their cud. Fish must have fins and scales. A list of non-kosher birds is given, and a list of kosher insects is provided for in the Torah. Also in this parasha are some of the laws of ritual purity, including the purifying power of the mikvah, a ritual bath, a pool of water meeting certain specified qualifications, Thus, the people of Israel are, at the end of the parasha, enjoined to differentiate between the impure and the pure. With me this morning to discuss Shmini is Rabbi Mendel Bloom, 
the founding rabbi of Ottawa Torah Center, and as we know of him in Ottawa, the chief rabbi of the Ottawa Torah Center. Rabbi Bloom, welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, Rabbi Bloom, I thought that this morning we should just spend a moment uh, contextualizing um, the Ottawa Torah Center. My listeners have often heard from rabbis uh, representing the three well-known movements in North American Jewry, uh, what is called orthodoxy, what is called conservative, and what is called reform. They've even heard from rabbis who uh, represent what is called the Reconstructionist movement. But your uh, center, the Ottawa Torah Center, is uh, focused in representing a, a specific uh, approach to Judaism known as uh, Hasidism. And so could you take a couple of minutes and just uh, let our listeners know from whence you come? Okay, thank you. Um, so that's a great, uh, great uh, place to start. So Hasidism is a movement that began, that was founded by the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, close to 300 years ago. Uh, he came at a time when there was a big dichotomy uh, within the Jewish world between those who were well-educated, uh, the scholars, those who knew how to study, and then the simple folks, the water carriers, the wood choppers, were going back to the times of the shtetl. And uh, the dichotomy was uh, so big that they had their separate synagogues, there was no interaction. And in general, the state of the Jewish world at the time, it was coming right after some uh, disappointing uh, events that had happened for the Jewish community. And so the Baal Shem Tov came to uplift uh, the morale and to bring people together and bring some warmth, if you will, in the celebration of Judaism. And so he started teaching Hasidism, which is a philosophy that is based on Kabbalistic writing, which brings very mystical and esoteric concepts to a practical level, to a level that uh, you and I could understand it that in a way that it impacts our lives, in a way that it allows us to look at reality from a much deeper point of view, that allows us to look at another human being from a deeper point of view. And so the Hasidism, uh, the, 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 Hasidism the philosophy of Hasidism and the movement, the Hasidic movement, uh, developed from the Baal Shem Tov and developed into many different branches our center is connected with the branch of Chabad, which stands for Chochmah, Bina, and Dat, which means uh, wisdom, uh, intellect, and knowledge. Um, and because that branch of the movement is all about teaching, about internalizing on an intellectual level uh, some of those concepts so that it could impact, we could really internalize it 
uh, in our lives. So the this is basically the the mode of operation that we use in our center. Um, on the one hand, being part of the Orthodox branch of Judaism, but it's more of an outreach center, uh, trying to bring in anybody who's interested to uh, delve into some of the secrets of Judaism, some of the mystical secrets, and uh, make people's lives more meaningful and, and better. Thank you. Um, Chabad is, as the rabbi indicated, an acronym for three Hebrew words. Uh, officially, Chabad is the uh, continuation of what's known as Lubavitch Hasidism, which was founded in Lubavitch of the Ukraine. Uh, and you may hear, you the listeners may hear either term used to refer to that approach to uh, Hasidism. Uh, before we delve into the um, Torah portion, just one other comment. As you heard from Rabbi Bloom, Hasidism began uh, more than 300 years ago, long before any of the other perspectives which dominate North American Jewry began. And so in many ways, it was the uh, oldest uh, form of reinvention of Judaism, um, even predating Reform Judaism. Um, I know. I don't know if I'm going to agree with the reinvention. <laughs> uh, this is why I use the word infusing with warmth or illuminating Judaism. But, I knew... Uh, I knew I knew that you perhaps would uh, find my choice of word less than acceptable, uh, but I think in fairness to our listeners, it does reflect um, the historical reality that for reasons different than the other branches, Hasidism came to offer a more accessible Judaism than it existed at the moment. Yes, yes. Um, and so now that we agree on some language, let's look at the Torah portion. Um, this week's Torah portion in chapter uh, 10 of Shmini has a very challenging and at sometimes disturbing uh, episode. I'm going to read it for our listeners uh, and Aaron's sons, Nadav and Abihu, took their fire pan and put fire in it and laid incense on it, and they offered it before God alien fire. Uh, and uh, he had not asked them to do so. And fire came forth from God and consumed them. Thus they died at the instant. And here the text is a little confusing. Um, they seem to perish before God. And uh, Moses said to Aaron, 
This is what God meant when he said, Those near to me I show myself holy and gain glory before all the people. And Aaron Aaron was silent. This in and of itself is worthy of three hours of conversation. Correct. But let us begin to unpack these challenging uh, verses. And uh, how do you use this in your community? So, you know, let, let me preface this by saying that the beauty of studying the Torah portion is that because the Torah, which was written by God, was written in such an ambiguous way, uh, it lends itself to an infinite array of interpretation. And that is no surprise. It's a document written by the infinite, and therefore it includes infinite ways to really interpret it, which to me is really the beauty of the Torah. And so today I will share with you, although the commentary in the commentaries you could find a real wide range of interpretation as to what happened to the sons of Aaron, which by the way, they were very high up on the ladder of Jewish leadership. The Jewish leadership at the time had Moses, who led the Jewish people out of Egypt. Then you had Aaron, who was nominated as the high priest. And then you had Nadav and Avihu, the sons of Aaron, who were basically the um, heir apparent to uh, take over the leadership. In fact, when God tells Moses to come up on the Mount Sinai to receive the Torah, he invites Moses, Aaron, and Nadav and Avihu. So they were definitely high up on the uh, leadership level, but more importantly, they were definitely very spiritual people. And so when we say that they offered a strange offering, something that they were not commanded to do, um, one has to wonder, so what did they do? And this is the question that uh, most of the commentaries are trying to figure out because the Torah is very cryptic. And you just read the two verses that discuss the story without telling us too much information as to what happened. But the more important question is, why such a punishment? Fire coming down and consuming the people. Like on Plus, let's remember, this is the first day, really, that the Mishkan, the sanctuary, was actually operating. You just mentioned in our introduction that we are holding on the eighth day after the seven-day uh, inauguration, when finally now God's presence rests in the sanctuary. So it's really the first day, the exciting first day of service, and this great tragedy happened. So because we started with Hasidism, I share with you a Hasidic interpretation. Uh, which is based on Kabbalistic writing, the mystical side of Judaism, uh, as to what happened to Nadav and Avihu. Nadav and Avihu were very spiritual people indeed. And especially now that God's presence rests in the sanctuary, 
they were the ones who were really in tuned with the spiritual energy that was available. And when they went in to offer an offering and were really in tune with that spiritual energy, because man is comprised of two parts, of body and soul, and for that, let me go back to Genesis. When God created Adam, the Torah describes the creation of man in two steps. He molds a body out of earth, and then he blows into him a breath of life. The rabbi, for those who don't have a text in front of them, is referring to Genesis 1. Correct. Uh, in which there are uh, a number of different stories uh, between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 about the creation of Adam. Correct. And, bo and in Hasidic tradition and in other traditions, the power of the Torah is in interpreting those uh, episodes, not in discounting them. Correct. Correct. Not discounting their literal account. Correct. Yeah. Um, so, as opposed to the rest of creation, which is created in one step, so God says, let there be light, and light happens, and let vegetation come forth, and it happens. The creation of the human being is done in two steps, where we are comprised of two elements, a body that is made out of earth, in other words, as physical and as earthly as it gets. But yet, within this vessel, God blows into him a breath of life, and the imagery of God blowing is when you blow, you're exerting more energy, for example, than when you speak. And so the imagery of blowing, as the Zohar says, somebody who blows, blows from their inside, as we would say in Yiddish, from their kishkes, from the inner energy is coming out by blowing. And so man is basically comprised of a soul, of a spirit, and a body. And because of that, our life includes the two extremes. We could live a life that is very materialistic and being totally oblivious to the spirit that exists within us. Or we could be in tune and be very spiritual and divest ourselves from the physical and have an experience that is so enlightening that our soul basically leaves our body and we expire from that spiritual experience. So Hasidic philosophy explains that Nadav and Aviyu being the spiritualists that they were, when they entered the sanctuary where the godly presence was finally there, they were totally consumed with that experience to the point that their soul left them. It's like when you have a little candle that you put next to a big fire and the flame tries to be included into the, into the big fire. And this is why the Torah tells us the fire comes in through their nostrils. Why the nostrils? Well, if we go back to Genesis once again, God blows into Adam's nostrils that spirit, that breath of life. And so the imagery of the fire, of the godly fire going into 
Nadav and Aviyu's nostrils is basically the idea of the soul leaving the body from the intensity of the spiritual experience. I want to thank Rabbi Bloom for eloquently using his tradition to explicate this very powerful story. Some of you who know the story from your Christian tradition or from a more literal Jewish uh, perspective um, or from other perspectives may find this interpretation at odds with the literal presentation of the biblical text. But I think as Rabbi Bloom explained in his introduction to Hasidism, Hasidism looks not to eliminate the literal meaning, but to find the hidden meaning behind the words of the Torah. And that what Rabbi Bloom has shared with us so eloquently this morning is not simply that these two children of Aaron did something wrong, but rather they were motivated, as he suggested, by an intense spiritual longing to uh, come closest to God, and that fire serves as a metaphoric expression of the human connectedness with God. Uh, In addition, you will remember, of course, that when the consecration, the seven days of consecration, have concluded, the tabernacle, the makom, the place, although that is also a uh, rabbinic term for God, will use fire to consume the offerings and bring the offerings of the Hebrews closer to God through fire. So again, the rabbi has allowed us an insight into this Hasidic slash Kabbalistic slash mystical understanding of a story which, if it remains on the more literal level, um, is extremely difficult to internalize as to what the Torah is really trying to explain to us about Aaron's eldest sons. Um, And I'm just going to push you in the time that's available one more word or two. When you share with your congregation this wonderful interpretation, is Aaron's silence to be understood as acceptance? because Aaron understands what's happened, as opposed to how it's often explained as he's dumbstruck? So, uh, great question. So, the fact that Aaron was silent um, is, is, is usually looked at that when tragedy strikes, there are no words. There's, there's nothing to say. But when we read the words of Moses to him, when Moses says to him, this is what was meant by the words that those, the words of God, that those who come close to me will be sanctified. In other words, Moses is trying to tell him, you know, these were holy people. This was not just a 
a physical tragedy. There is something very holy about what happened, but Aaron is still their father, and when tragedy strikes, you're dumbfounded. So I think it's a combination of the two, you know? It's like when you're comforting a mourner, there is a fine line of trying to to be there for the person and just be silent, and at the same time try to offer words uh, for the mourner to be able to, to latch on. So I think it's a combination of the two. Great. Um, I want to thank you for that and want to shift gears. Um, the Torah portion ends with uh, the more the most complete description of what today is called kashrut. Um, and I'm sure you'll help our listeners understand what that is. Um, Levi Yitzchak has a great comment on uh, this uh, parasha in which he says that um, eating the food as described in this parasha prepares my mouth to welcome the Messiah. Um, And I've always uh, remembered that beautiful commentary on um, what often is seen as simply uh, laws of uh, regulating what we eat and cannot eat. So in the time that's left to us, explain to our listeners uh, how they can understand these regulations. Okay. So what I'd like to do is actually show how this part of the Parsha is a direct continuation to the story of Nadav and Aviv. Because ultimately, their experience was not what God desires of us. What God desires of us is to live a world in the, to live a life in the physical world and to make the world around us a better place. In order to elevate and refine the world, we need to be engaged in the world. If we divest ourselves from the physical, and there are many, um, many movements, many uh, thoughts that the way one becomes closer to God is by, you know, escaping to the mountain and divesting from the physical, which is really what Nadav and Aviyu were experiencing, divesting themselves. The Parsha continues right away that God wants to be involved in every mundane activity that we do so that we could connect with him within the physical world. Connection with God is not escaping the physical. God created us as physical beings because he wanted us to live in this world and elevate everything that we come in contact with. And this is how we develop a relationship with God. And that begins with the food we eat. So this is the notion that um, the perspective of the covenant with God is a 24-7 covenant. It's not relegated to the hours of worship. The hours of worship are a manifestation of the everyday 
uh, covenantal expression. Yes? Correct. Correct. Um, and, and especially when it comes to food, food is what gives us energy. Um, food, when we use that energy to make the world around us a more godly place, a, a place that is more in tune with godliness, uh, this is how we elevate not only ourselves, but we elevate the energy of everything that went into creating that food. Uh, you know, the, the guy who worked the fields, the, uh, Everybody on the chain of that production, when I eat it with uh, intent, with mindfulness, uh, I'm able to elevate that energy, which ultimately is the role that God gave the Jewish people at Mount Sinai. When he came to the mountain and he gave them the commandments and he gave them the Torah, he was basically saying, I am bridging the two worlds, the world of the spirit and the world of the physical. Here are the tools that you could use to make me present to bridge the two worlds. And this is a very concrete example of that. I think we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, I want to thank my guest, uh, Rabbi Mendel Bloom of the Ottawa Torah Center for sharing with us great wisdom for Jewish faith and Jewish facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. You can hear, ha, hear a podcast of this morning's broadcast on iTunes or on the chri.ca website. For both of us, Rabbi Bloom and myself, we wish you a good day, and we pray that you will be safe and well. Shalom.